Good morning. I want to welcome everyone to our service of worship today on this 31st of January 2021. Those watching online, we welcome you to this service of worship. Our call to worship comes from Paul's letter to the Galatians. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of God our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. If you will, open your hymn books to hymn number one. And as you are able, let us stand and sing together praise to the Lord the Almighty. Number one.
Let us pray. Give us, O God, this day patience to speak good news to those who oppose us and to help those who may rage against us so that in following the way of your Son, we may rejoice even when rejected, trusting in your perfect love which never fails through Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. Amen. Let us greet one another with a wave offering of peace this morning. Well, I want to welcome again you, everyone here this morning. Here it is, the 31st of January, and we've used up January already and going to launch right into February tomorrow. Uh, and so there are a couple of things that I want to share with you in that regard. On the 17th of February, that is Ash Wednesday, and it is the beginning of the Lenten season. We are preparing a guide uh, uh, that will be coming to you either the end of this week or early next week um, that is a uh, printed reading for the uh, period of Lent from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday, uh, reading through the entire New Testament. And it's not difficult. You'll on average read about five to seven chapters a day. I think that seven is the longest reading. Some days you'll read like two or three letters because the New Testament, John, uh, 1 John, 2 John, three John, 3 John, you can read in a matter of uh, like an hour if you're reading slow. So we'll have those sorts of things uh, there. John Fushi put that together for us. Mary's been working on the layout to insert, so that's coming. But as I said, Ash Wednesday is February the 17th. We are going to have an Ash Wednesday service at 7 o'clock. It will be in Faith Hall. We will be able to do the imposition of ashes, though my fingers will actually never touch your skin. It wonders what you can do with a Q-tip and ashes. So, and we'll use everybody gets their own Q-tip. So, uh, we'll be able to do that. And uh, you'll come up, I'll take the Q-tip, rub it in the ashes, and mark your head, and then throw it away. Next person. So, uh, it, it will all be very clean in that regard. You know, usually people think about giving up things for the Lenten season. And I was thinking about that this weekend a little bit. And I said, I want to give up masks and COVID and lockdowns and um, all these things. Just things that I would be willing to give up for Lent. Uh, so uh, it's just uh, one of those things. More of our folks have been getting the uh, COVID vaccination. Some have already got their second shots, which is great. Uh, and I think that the, the uh, distribution of the vaccine, uh, they're getting better at that. And the sites are finally coming in line with that. And that's a very encouraging thing in that regard. So we're very excited about all those things for folks. Um, 
Jeff Miller has put together this year's uh, Faith Presbyterian Golf Association calendar. It is printed on the back of your bulletin so that you can go ahead if you would like to do so and schedule those dates on your calendar. Most of the time, the tee times are at 10 o'clock. Is that right, Jeff? There we go. So you see there uh, and uh, the dates for them as well during May, June, July, August, and September. So just uh, as a, a thing that you can go ahead and be looking forward to. Okay. Well, this morning we're going to go back and try something here. Uh, for our first scripture reading, we're going to go back to Psalm 33, and we're going to try to read responsively this morning. Psalm 33, uh, as we have done in, well, not in 11 months, but as we have done in years past, uh, we will, if you'll open the Blue Pew Bible to page 396, you will find there Psalm 33. I will read the odd-numbered verses and ask you to read from your uh, places in the pews the even-numbered verses. <clears throat> the psalmist writes, Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise Him. Praise the Lord with the heart. Make music to Him on the ten-string line. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all He does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars, he puts the deep into storehouses. For he spoke, and it came to be, he commanded, and it stood firm. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, his purposes of his heart through all generations. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. To deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Well, God bless this reading together of his word from Psalm 
33. Now this morning, let us bow our heads as we go to the Lord our God in prayer. O gracious God, we come now before you in this time in our worship to offer up to you the prayers today. Each and every person here has many things weighing on their minds, things that fill the heart, concerns and excitements, joys and sorrows. So as we come, let us all lift up to you the matters of our lives. O oh, gracious God, as we do this, we come and we pray for many things this day. We pray to, and begin with uh, those who are able to work and who are able to deliver health care in all its many different forms. For those who are manning the uh, vaccination uh, stations, for those who are continue to perform the test, for those who continue to treat those who are sick, both with the virus and the many ailments that we face in life. We pray and we lift them up this day. We continue to pray, Lord, and ask that you strengthen everyone, especially now the members of our congregation. We thank you for all those who have recovered from the virus, those who have been able to receive their vaccinations, those who continue to practice social distancing and mask wearing and hand washing and all the things that are necessary in this time. We thank you and we praise you. But mighty God, we do pray that by your mighty power, that the days of this pandemic would start to grow shorter and that before too many more weeks and months, we will be able again to live life to its full measure, to be with one another without concern. We pray these things this day. We come to you and there are many things across the land to be praying about. We pray as the winter is still here and we have a few months in this area, but we know that uh, as spring comes, activities will increase, farmers will plant, others will begin to uh, be start their work and jobs anew. We pray especially this day for all those in the restaurant and the catering and the food business whom have been decimated by this time. We pray that you help them get through this season and that they will still have a livelihood in the weeks and months and years to come. We pray this day. Mighty God, we pray for our nation. There are many things that still sharply divide us many things that are difficult for us to reconcile. But by your grace and by your hand, by trusting in you, 
All things are indeed possible. So we pray for our land this day, for its people. Almighty God, we would pray that as we enter this month of February and later in the month we begin the season we call Lent, that you would go ahead now and prepare our hearts and minds to do the readings through the New Testament as a time in which we are strengthened by your very word. We pray these things. And now, Lord, we ask all these things this day, prayers spoken, those made from every heart, and we pray them in Jesus' name, and together we say the prayer that Jesus has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. Let me have a little sip of water here. Now, our second scripture reading, I will be reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8. Very familiar words, I think, for many of us. Verses 18 through 25. Paul writes, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. The creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. It was subjected in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from the bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, But we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Again, may God bless this, the reading and hearing of his word from the eighth chapter of Romans. Well, 
these last five Sundays, I've been preaching this series of sermons, and we'll have two more in the first two weeks of February, under the general title of Using the Strengths God Has Given Us, and today's particular one is We Are a People of Hope. We are a people of hope. Now, it becomes very clear as you read through the New Testament that the Christian faith, our faith, is built upon three great virtues. The three great virtues, or pillars, if you will, of the practice of the Christian faith are faith, hope, and love. Now, we're all familiar with that. We all know the 13th verse of the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, where Paul ends by saying, These three abide, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Well, we're going to get to love before all this is over with in this series, but right now, today, we're going to talk about hope. We've talked about faith. But let's just give, just as we begin our hearing this morning, let's have three very basic definitions of these pillars of the faith, these pillars of the Christian practice. So again, faith. Faith is believing and trusting what God has, is, and will do. Trusting God, believing God, that is faith. Hope, simple definition, we're going to go into much more here in just a few seconds. Hope is our expectations of God's promises. Again, hope is our expectations of God's promises. And then love, a very simple definition here, our guiding virtue in our relationship with God and with one another. Again, love, our guiding virtue in our relationship with God and with one another. So, we are a people of hope. When we read Psalm 33 there, it talked about hope and what you should hope for. It said to hope in God, not in your army, not in your own know-how, not in a strong horse, nothing. Hope in God. Hope in God. The New Testament is full of examples of hope and things that we will look at briefly. But in life, in our lives, I think I look back and I see where there are particular times and seasons of hope. Think for yourself, when did you really start to think in your life about what lies ahead? What lies ahead? When I was a child, I never thought about what lied ahead. Just never crossed my mind. My mom or my dad would tell me what lies ahead. And 
That's what you did. That's what you did. But by the time you went through junior high, middle school, into high school, and especially by the time you reached that second year of high school and everybody's starting to ask you, well, what are you going to do in your life? What do you want to be? Are you going to go to college? Are you going to go to the military? What are you going to do in your life? You begin to have some, if you will, some hopes. You have something in you, there's this sense of expectation that you're going to do something with your life. And it is a very interesting time. So those years, I would say roughly from 15 to 20, those years are years of, well, expectation. I'm hoping to do this, or I'm hoping to do that, or I'm hoping that this will work out. They are there. And it's a season like that. Really, it's probably the most fertile season uh, of expectation in life. Because some of the choices that are made there in one's life will continue to affect you all the way down through the years, the decades of one's life. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting time, and we probably still don't do enough justice to that for our young people who are in that particular season of their life. It is a time of hope as to what is going to happen, what is life going to be like. And so that is one. As we get older, we often find that our hopes are much diminished as to expectation in life. You know, there's only so many things that we begin to hope for because we can see, well, we've done this and we're here, we've worked, we have employment, we've done these things, you know, the years have come by. Uh, you may have other hopes, but you get to retirement and you're saying to yourself, I hope I can retire. Or I hope that I can do something in retirement. Or I hope that retirement will be pleasant. Whatever. But it's not the same as it was when you were first beginning things. So we have that. We have these senses. Parents have children for the first time. There is this hope of having a family and children, grandchildren, whatever the case might be. So we have that. And I would almost term that as a, you know, one of the, the graces that God gives us as we try to find expectations in our lives. And I would say that most people, whether they are Christian or not, would have some of the same types of hopes and expectations. But for the Christian, there is a whole different, if you will, level, a whole different understanding of hope. One that is much greater than what the world offers or even understands. 
And that is what I want to share with you. What do we, as a people of hope, as Christians, what is it that we have hope about that makes us, if you will, have a different sense of this virtue than most? It is one of the reasons we are called to be spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, because there is a great hope that comes from the gospel. Let me begin by saying that in the 24th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, it is the Easter Sunday, the resurrection chapter in the Gospel of Luke. The beginning of the chapter, Mary Magdalene goes, Simon, Peter goes, John goes to the tomb, they find it empty. Later on, two disciples leave the group and head back to their home in a little village called Emmaus. And as they're walking back, we are told in the story that Jesus comes up and begins to walk with them, the resurrected Jesus, but they don't recognize him. And as they were walking, Jesus says, what are you talking about? And, he go, and they say, basically, well, what do you mean, what are we talking about? Are you a stranger to Jerusalem that you don't know what has happened in these days? And he says, well, what's happened? And they began to tell what happened. They said, well, Jesus was crucified. We, and this is the line, we had hoped he was the one. And then as the story goes, Jesus begins to reveal to them the scriptures and all that was said about the Messiah, the Christ. They finally get to Emmaus. They go into their house. Jesus goes with them, sits down at the table. He breaks the bread. Their eyes are opened. And they said to one another, did our hearts not burn within us when he was speaking to us about the scriptures? And then they hightail it back to Jerusalem to tell everybody that Jesus is alive, that he has been resurrected from the dead. Now that passage is the one passage of Scripture that I want read at my funeral. That passage of Luke. Now what is that? That is the first conditional promise. Not conditional, that is wrong. That is the first promise in hope from the New Testament to us as Christians. That is the hope of the resurrection. The hope of the resurrection that all of us as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have that hope that this life may be full of trouble. It might be great. It might be terrible. It might be like it is now. It might be much better one day. But this life is not all that there is. We have the hope of the resurrection. It is what Jesus promised us. That is a hope that we have. That is why, as Christians, we are not overcome. 
by the things of the world. Because we have hope for the next. We have, as Christians, the hope of the glory of God. The hope of the glory of God. We're not by ourselves. We one day will actually stand in the presence of God. The glory of God. How marvelous is that? To think that one day we will be present in the very presence of God. The hope of glory. What a magnificent thing. Coupled with that, the hope of the kingdom of God. Jesus, when he was preaching, he was saying, the kingdom of God is coming close to you. Why was he saying that? Because there Jesus was walking the earth. There he was. He was a representation of the coming of the kingdom of God. We have that hope. It is an expectation that will be fulfilled. It is a hope. It is not a dream. It is not a wish. It is the very promises of God. That is one of the things that make us a people of hope. We have hope because we have, we have been put in right relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. We have hope of right relationships with God, and because of that, we have hope of right relationships with one another. We call this in the New Testament righteousness. We call it justification. We call the further work of it sanctification because our relationship with God is being transformed. We are not just poor sinners left destitute, but we are, as Paul says, waiting for the adoption as sons, as daughters of God. Wow, we are that. These are why we are people of hope. We have the hope of salvation. Again, pointing back to the resurrection, to the glory of God, to the kingdom of God. We have the hope of salvation because Jesus died on the cross for us, shed his blood for us. Remember again in the 23rd chapter of the Gospel of Luke, there Jesus crucified on his left and right are thieves being crucified. One turns to him and says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There on the cross. And Jesus' words to him, Today, today, you will be with me in paradise. From the cross, 
we have the hope of salvation. And with that comes the hope, as I have spoken, the hope of eternal life. I don't know what eternal life will be, but it will be with God. What could be better? What could be better? We have this hope, the hope of eternal life, this expectation, this unrealized yet relationship with God. This is why we are a people of hope. It is a strength that we possess, that we have, that is able to see through see us through the most difficult of situations, even death. It sees us through that. So we have these great reasons, promises of hope that make us a people of hope. It is why we call our funeral services a witness to the resurrection. It is why we encourage those who have lost loved ones to do not be discouraged, for they are in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is why when life is so difficult and we cannot see what lies ahead, what exactly our lives will look like or what we are experiencing, such as a pandemic. The Psalm 33 talked about the famine. It could have easily have talked about the pandemic because there were pandemics then as well. And if we did not have God, if we did not know His Son, Jesus Christ, then all we would have is our lives here in this world with no expectation, no reason for hope. In the Old Testament, there are, like in the New Testament, many different words or phrases used for hope. But one of the things that I really liked in the Old Testament was this. The word for hope is, depending on how it's used in a sentence, can also mean a reservoir of water. And for people in the Middle East... A reservoir of water was hope. We have a great reservoir. Spiritual water. Jesus said, I can give you the living water. It is our hope. We are 
Let us tap into it. Let us use it. Let us express it. Let us live it. Let us tell others about the hope that we have because of God and what God has done in his son, Jesus Christ. That is a strength that God has given us. Let us not cast it aside. Let us not think that we'd have no hope. I may say a thousand times, I do not know what we're going to do, but I don't, does not mean that I do not have hope. I may say a thousand more times, these are strange days, but that does not mean that I do not have hope because I serve the God who has made all things and who has promised to make all things new. Well, there we are. Just a little reminder to us that even in difficult times, we have the strength of hope in our lives. Thanks be to God who has given us this through his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. This morning, if you would like to make an offering on your way out, the offering plate is there in the back. You may do so. Let us pray. Lord, sometimes we just forget. Sometimes we just do not practice the strengths that you have endowed us with through faith, hope, and love in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, as we dedicate the things given to you this day, remind us that we are indeed a people of hope. For we pray these things and ask them all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let us stand, and in your bulletin you will find the Apostles' Creed. We will affirm our faith, and then we will turn and to hymn number 511 and sing the solid rock. But let us begin with the affirmation of faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, if you will, turn to number 511.
Now, my friends, go from this place this morning in peace. Hold strong to your faith. Have your eternal hope in Christ Jesus while showing his love to all that you meet. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father, the peace and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you all this day, and I do pray forevermore. Amen.